Have you ever watched an apocalyptic sci-fi movie and wondered, could any of this really happen? I'm Carrie Bechet, and on Hypothetical, we explore what-if questions two ways, through speculative science fiction and through insight from the world's most brilliant scientists. And spoiler alert, your favorite sci-fi movies aren't nearly as far-fetched as you may think. Time travel with me into our possible futures on Hypothetical. New episodes every Tuesday available on all podcast apps. That's Hypothetical, H-Y-P-E-R-T-H-E-T-I-C-A-L. Bitches on Comics. I'm your host, Sarah Century. I'm your host, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm Essie Fleenor. I'm Sarah Century. Today we have, for the first time ever, two people asked a question about the same thing. Chloe Loves, Goth Boys and Ivy, and Tigra Pride, both on Twitter, reached out and said, Hey, let's talk about Tigra. We want to hear what you think. We want to know where the hell she's been. We want to talk a little bit about what went wrong in the past with her and what potential she has for the future. Yes, I added that last part, but that's because it gets real bummery if we only talk about the bad parts of things. But Tigra. Super excited that you all asked about her. It is such an incredible experience to get to think about a character like this. I started reading The Cat and then sort of worked through her best ofs. I kind of avoided some of the lowlights, but you've read uh, some of the lowlights, haven't you, Sarah? I mean, yeah, I guess so. I think that Tiger is one of the characters that I am probably the least familiar with because a lot of the eras that I was reading these books she was either not in or she was very very badly <laughs> written as kind of just hyper sexualized and wow the men you know like that kind of character yeah, totally. where you're just like oh <laughs> this is intense and i read her whenever she was dating hank pym which was <laughs> pretty oh pretty my terrible. god come he was on people such a nice guy about it too right like total nice guy like she thinks I'm nice, Urgh! like so angry, like, oh, now we're just friends. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> wow, dude, that's intense. And then for some reason, Janet got back together with that guy. And I just don't understand it. But I wonder if it could be perhaps the writers. Uh, yeah. <laughs> writing these characters. <laughs> writing. Well, so Tigger came out and I think it's like 1972 in The Cat. I think that might be right. It is. Yeah. And The Cat is like just four issues about Greer Grant Nelson. It's really interesting because she was created to be like a very feminist character. She is the protege of a scientist who is like, hey, (laughs) screw mankind. Let's help womankind. And she's like, I want to help women live at the utmost of their potential, physically, mentally, emotionally. I want to, you know, harness female intuition and make it something that she can wield like a power. And it's so cool. It's so fun. Like, she's just like, I'm empathetic. And that's a superpower. And it's like, yes, it is. This is so cool. Yes, it's written by Linda Fight, so it's very important to note that it was written by a woman. Yes. <laughs> because that was not a thing back then for the most part. So yeah, it was also part of a three-comic initiative where Marvel Comics decided after not ever marketing to women at all, they were going to try to sell three different comics that 
focused on women that were written by women, but they were thought of by men. So Night Nurse is one of the others, right? Right, Night Nurse. And then there's a third one. And I Shanna the She-Devil? Oh, <laughs> that's right. Shanna the She-Devil, which is like sexy jungle lady. So basically all these comics were like sexy cat lady, sexy, sexy nurses, nurse. sexy, oh, sexy jungle lady. So it was ridiculous just from the start. And then, of course, after actively not marketing to women for such a long time and then being like, here's all of a sudden we have books. They took the failure in sales of these books as being indicative of the fact that like women just don't want to read comics, basically. Instead of like, maybe women don't want to read comics where they're hyper fucking sexualized. (laughs) Right. And they did hire women for the most part to write the stories, which was helpful. Like Marie Severin also did work on this and stuff like that. So there's women involved in this, but they didn't really have editorial control of any kind. (laughs) And like, they were kind of presented with these ideas where they were like, I mean, there's a quote from Linda Fight talking to Roy Thomas and just being kind of like, why, (laughs) why am I writing a cat lady (laughs) comment? Like, can't I write, you know, a superhero in her own right? However, because she did have that insight, she did a good job on this comic, honestly. And it's one of those comics that kind of just never stood a chance because of all of the stuff that's around it. And it doesn't really have much to do with the actual story, which is kind of fun, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I actually really liked a lot of what I've read of Tigra. And -hmm. it's because I've, like, skipped the Bendis shit. And the other shit <laughs> right. that I'm like, why would I read that? And I, I get yeah. why people are upset. And I, if you did read it and you're pissed, like you have nothing but my support. Yeah, as a Carol Danvers fan, you have nothing yeah, but my exactly. support whenever we talk about Bendis writing a female. Or, <laughs> hey, guess what? Scarlet Witch is, like, one of my favorite characters. So, like, women don't really fare too well. That's all I'm going to say, I guess. God. Ugh. Can't even. I don't even want to waste my breath. Seriously. But that that is how I kind of look at the world is, like, I tend to focus on what I think is a good representation and try to skip the shit that's bad because like how many bad books have I read by white men? Like so many because we're trained in those books and we're educated in those books. And it's like, fuck that. So yeah, I mean, we can talk about the Bendis a little sexual assault. Essentially she's like hyper, you know, she's like, I'm cat. So I'm horny. I'm going to rub on all my teammates. It's like, ugh. Blech. I hate it. Yeah, I don't like how men do that <laughs> in comics where they're like, here's this lady, and I'm like disgusted by her, but attracted to her. It's so weird. So and they weird. do it with a lot of characters. Amora, Poison Ivy, a lot of these characters are kind of that like femme fatale archetype a little bit. But then, of course, with Tigra, they have the excuse of just completely removing any <laughs> like kind of decorum, I guess. Yeah, because like Greer, after she's the cat, it is giant size creatures, number one. Great name. She gets <laughs> turned into a were cat or the were right, woman. Right. Or it's so like the cat people are like, oh no, Greer's dying. We have to save her. Now she's a cat lady. <laughs> Enjoy this bitterly ironic turn of events. <laughs> oh, God. And then, of course, she's always wearing like a very tiny bikini. And you know what? Whatever. Wear whatever you want, girl. But also she doesn't get to wear what she wants. She gets to wear what men make for her. So yeah, I mean, I think that I still really like her. I think she's funny. I like that she has this balance in her of the quippiness of like Spider-Man, but she also has a lot of heaviness and she lost her partner very young and she was pushed into marriage very young. And, And even though she wanted to go back to college, her husband didn't want her to. And then 
he died and he was a cop. And then she finds out there's like a secret white supremacist arm of the cops. JK, it's all of them. And she has to take them down. And, you know, there's cool stuff that happens and she gets to be cool. But it does seem like she ends up being this easy way for men to air their shitty feelings about women. And to be like, feminists are. And women are. And it's like they try to pit her sexiness against her womanhood. And it's like, women can be sexy. (laughs) I don't understand why they have to be sexy and horrifying or sexy and, like, dangerous. And there's always weird stuff with, like, Bendis. (laughs) Like, not to, like, (laughs) rag on Bendis specifically, but, like, seriously. There's always weird stuff with him. I was just thinking about, like... Whenever Janet Van Dyne and Carol Danvers are having a conversation and Carol Danvers just keeps being like, you're like slutty or something like in her head. But on paper, they have a really interesting dynamic because Carol's just like, well, we can't do it without you, Janet. And Janet's just like, okay, I guess you talked me into it all like funny. So to me, it's like sometimes they nail the character pretty good. I think that there's moments with Tigra where I'm just like, heck yeah, with even the Bendis stuff. But then it's just like the overarching (laughs) situation is just like, oh, dude. I think that she started being written by a woman. Maybe we should bring back women to write this character. I don't know, Sarah. That seems like a bridge too far. Let women (laughs) write about women. Ah. Yeah. I have a hard time with that. Just kidding. Because it does feel like it's particularly tied to her feminist roots. There's something about the fact that she was made to be feminist that makes men who are creators and writers of her want to hypersexualize her. I mean, you were telling me about one of the covers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a terrible story. But basically, if you all read Marvel Comics, The Untold Story, you'll find some pretty aggressive (laughs) stories behind that original The Cat story. Because as I said, it was just kind of sexy ladies time or something. But they had women, you know, writing and working on the story. So yeah, at one point, there's a story that Marie Severin received the cover, which is like actually a really good cover. Wally Wood had inked her naked like had drawn Mm. her naked and had shown everything basically so marie severin got that like on her desk and had to fix it and bring out the whiteout you know cover up the pubic hair like we can't fucking run this wally wood can you imagine like the hostility of that workplace like to have that handed to you all this shit that happens in comics people do under these guises of like it's art and it's like no that's That's sexual harassment. You are clearly trying to harass her. Like, there's no other reason you would do that than to make a woman feel uncomfortable. Because he knew there's no way they were going to print it. It's fucking Marvel. I'm like, I wish I was in front of him and could tell him what I think. But yeah, well, I mean, Marie Severin talks about it. She didn't get interviewed that much in her lifetime. But whenever she talks about the men, she'll just be like, people say that women gossip, but men gossip and they call it networking. And she Mm. just talks about how she sat at a table with them and would just like sketch in her notebook basically and try to like completely ignore them which I think is just a huge testament to what you literally had to do to work in comics of the time but it turns out good despite that and I think that there's something to be said about Tigra kind of being able to still be really fun and really good you know whenever people are actually writing her character instead of just this weird trope of a woman who just wants to sleep with every guy I remember even reading her, and this is like kind of a terrible time for her, but like in the West Coast Avengers, 
She was also kind of great because she draws lines, right? She's dating Henry Pym for a second, and he's a total jackass. Like, he's a complete nice guy jackass to her, and she doesn't put up with it. Like, she leaves. She doesn't have anything to do with that guy. So the fact that, like, there are stories where Tiger is like, no, I have boundaries. What the fuck? (laughs) Like, I will set my boundaries, and you can respect them because I'm literally, like, a Tiger woman. I'll tear your face off. I think that like that's great. Like I love seeing yeah. those sides of her. I just don't see enough of it. You know, it's like a huge bummer. And I think that she's one of those characters almost more so than a lot of the other characters that we talk about. You know, she gets kind of the short end of the stick to the point where even I haven't read that much of her stuff. And I'm like all about like this, but it's hard to read some. Like it really Oh, I was is. gonna say like there's whole storylines that I, I find unreadable. Like, I'm just like, why would I do this? And even the ones that are really good or that I liked, like Michelle Z did a Tigra run for Tigra one through four. And the writing was really great, but the art was so hit and miss. Like there would be these incredible whole sequences where it's all negative space and all you see is the outline of her. And she looks cool and intimidating and cat-like and, you know, so so flexible and cool and like the things that I, I like about her. And then it's like nipples everywhere and she's always <laughs> wearing a tiny something and, you know, you can basically see her butthole, you know? It's like, what the fuck? So I like her a lot. I get yeah. why she's so frustrating to like, not because of her, right? Because of how she's been treated by both. Like, it's so interesting because it's meta narrative, right? Like there's the the way that the comic creators who are who have written her poorly have treated her, but then also how then they replicate those systems of power and treatment inside the comic. So, you know, yeah, you see her, absolutely. like you were saying with Hank Pym and you're like, oh, it's not hard to see what you're trying to do here, buddy. <laughs> Yeah, it was so interesting to me because I feel like so often they would have, you know, female characters pitted against each other, but you're dealing with characters like Janet Van Dyne doesn't really do that, you know, not since like she was written terribly in like the 60s. (laughs) So, you know, having Janet Van Dyne versus Tigra (laughs) with like Hank Pym and they were both kind of like, we both don't really want him. (laughs) That to me was great because it's just like, yeah, they wouldn't. Um, (laughs) That makes sense. Of course, the story still just primarily focused on Hank Pym, which is why it was not that great of a story. Um, (laughs) But... We see these glimmers with her, and she's a really, really good character. What's more awesome than this character? She's like the cat. That stuff is cool, you know? I want to read that character, of course. And then whenever you have somebody who just writes her terribly or dismisses her because she's been written terribly, then it's just a never-ending loop. It just keeps repeating itself. And I just, I just hope that, you know, all of the Tiger fans out there who obviously exist and are very emphatic about it because they (laughs) both, at least two of them wrote us this one question. I just hope that you all get your just desserts. You know, like I hope that you get what you want out of this character. I hope that somebody that actually respects this character gets to write her sometime and that it just gets better for her because it is a huge bummer to read like um, people just letting their sexism go on this character unchecked, you know? Totally. And I think she has so much potential. I think there's so much about her that hasn't been explored. Like, how do the cat people perceive gender? 
What does gender mean to her? Is she woman and not? Is she a non-binary woman? Does she feel a war between her two sides? Or is that just people not being able to see women as people? Does she feel at peace? You know, like we could do so much. I would love to see someone like Amy Chu, Taryn Tigra, you know, like just get in there and like explore, you know, this character who's been treated like garbage, you know? Yeah, I mean, she's one of the ones because I think that she is like on par with somebody like Red Sonia or something who was written by Roy Thomas for a really long time. Like that guy. Damn it. (laughs) Really pops up a lot when you're talking about incredibly sexist portrayals of women in the 70s and 80s. But I don't know. I think that it gets turned around. You know, Gail Simone starts writing Red Sonia and it gets so, so much better. So Tiger, I think, is waiting for that story. Like she's had some good ones. Like I don't want to say that there's like all bullshit in her storyline because like I said, there's these moments with Tiger where I'm like, hell yes, you are the best. I will totally like support this character. Like I would buy a Tiger series in a second, you know? She's the best. But also it's one of those things like with Poison Ivy or something where you're like, I'm going to buy this comic. I don't know what's going to be in it. Literally yeah. something terrible could happen to this character. Or it could be super sexist in the first few seconds. Or, you know, as you say, like they, the artist and writer don't seem to see eye to eye on what they're trying to communicate with the character. All of that stuff, unfortunately, does happen a lot with Tigra. I think that like the overall consensus is we just don't think that she's gotten what she deserves as far as story arcs go. Absolutely not. And I I think that you're right. She's so ready for a femissance, you know, like she came about in this important time in feminism. It could be really cool to see someone who is a feminist and cares about feminist representations, a woman, a non-binary person, someone who gets what Tigret is about, because I see so much I love. Like you were saying, like, I I read her like shit talking dudes and I'm like, yes. Thank you. I see her beat up 15 crooked cops and I'm like, that's great. I love this. You know, I see her flip off of a building and I'm like, that is so cool. She is so cool. And also like tiger woman, like you said, uh, I love it. I get the holdups with like women being compared to cats. My God. But that's because it's gone so wrong. Yes, <laughs> like, that's exactly. the problem. Like, <laughs> it's gone so wrong so many times that we're so overdue for it to go right. We're so overdue for a great Tigra story. Absolutely. Where would you take her? Like if you if you got Tigra tomorrow, what do you think you would do? Just like off the top of your head question a little bit of the extremely binary way in which she has been presented and kind of basically just question that original arc a little bit and kind of look and see where she can go. You'd have to make sure that she was being a sexual character, but not be gross about it, which I think like almost only, I'm just going to say straight guys have not done great with that with this character. Agreed. (laughs) I think just (laughs) emphasizing stuff like that. I would love to emphasize a sex positive story with her. And like, oh, that'd be so nice. Yeah, basically just, you know, any kind of stuff like that. It's hard to say because you'd have to go into kind of her past a little bit, but you'd also have to look at a new way of telling Tigress stories, I think. And so, yeah, I don't know. I'd, I'd have to think about it a little bit more, but those would be major themes for me, I think. Absolutely. You know, I think I would give her a BFF. Some woman who isn't going to treat her like shit all the time. She's pretty much around men or women who don't like her. And it's like, I actually think lots of heroes would like her. 
I don't totally. see what beef they would have with her. You know? No, like, that's the thing, right? Like Tiger would be super fun to hang out with. Guys always think that women are like intimidated or want to fight with each other. And it's like, we would all want to hang out with Tiger. Give me a break. Like, yeah, all I cool. want to do is hang out with her. She's so cool. <laughs> yeah. I don't give a shit who she dates or flirts with. Like, I really don't care. Like, it's fun to be around people who are super flirty and stuff. I don't know. That's fine. I just, I, uh, once again, men, what did, what did you do? Why did you do that? (laughs) That's our other podcast. Men, what did you do? Why did you do it? (laughs) Well, yeah. So let us know what you think of Tigra. And we know we have some diehard Tigra fans who are listeners. Thank you for your amazing question. And thank you for caring about a character who's like so cool and so underutilized. But we'd love to hear what you're thinking. If you could write Tigra, like where would you take her? You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Do you like science fiction? I'm Carrie Bechet, and if you loved movies like Arrival or Interstellar, then you're going to want to check out my podcast, Hypothetical. On Hypothetical, we tell speculative sci-fi stories interwoven with real science. New episodes every Tuesday, available wherever you get podcasts. Yeah, tell us. (laughs) We want to know. All right, I'm just saying that I'm going to, like, hit weed, and I'm just like, I don't know if this should be in the next rate and review spot. (laughs) Just kidding. Review. (laughs) On all your favorite platforms. Perfection. You know, anytime. Anytime it feels right. This week's comic of the week is Bury the Lead by Gabby Dunn, and it is illustrated by Claire Rowe. Colors are by Miguel Morto. <laughs> Miguel Morto. Letters by Mike Fiorentino. Okay, this was my, my favorite indie comic of 2019. I loved it. I loved it. I think it is so fun. It's super duper queer. It's like unapologetically a a commentary on the state of the world and of comics and and of journalism and it's just cute how does it do all those things at once i don't know and it's steamy it's got (laughs) steamy sex scenes it's got cute bisexual disasters flirting with each other love that like everything about it i just love it 
Yeah, it's really good. It is a kind of a murder mystery situation. I mean, I had no idea what this comic was going to be about. So yeah, I was surprised by (laughs) the queerness of this story was basically just one day, one of them being like, do you happen to like be into me? And then the other one being like... I do happen to be into you. Giant, her eyes do a thing. <laughs> she does like eyebrows. And then uh, the next page is just them having sex. And then <laughs> for a whole gorgeous, beautiful page. And that's a good the page. Way the panels I'm not gonna move. Lie. Oh, that's, that is that is what I'm into comics for. <laughs> Delightful sex scenes. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciated it just being kind of like, oh yeah, plus gay sex, <laughs> like on top of all of this other stuff. Sometimes you read stuff where the queer story is just kind of stilted or you're just like, why would these two characters even be into each other or something? And you don't see it. You know, it's the same with a lot of like straight relationships where you're like, I don't know why these two characters would even like each other. (laughs) Like this movie hasn't (laughs) set that up for me at all. But yeah, in this one, it was just kind of like the spontaneity of it sometimes and how, yeah, it just kind of happens for those two after they've been like working together for a while and stuff. I thought that that made it seem pretty true. (laughs) Yeah, it felt very real to like the sort of happenstance way (laughs) connections happen, you know? Yeah, and it's not, you know, an epic love story or something. It's basically just a relationship that's happening while this other stuff is going on. So, yeah, I mean, all of that to me is pretty realistic. And so I commend it and think it's a really good you know, maybe temporary relationship that they're both going into. Yeah, but like still allowed to be positive. Like nobody's yeah, nobody's freaking out about it. It's it's really nice. Like you said, it feels very true, very real. Right. And, you know, it's really the story of the main character and her being an intern and then becoming a more advanced journalist through this weird relationship she has with the murderer sends her messages, right? Yeah. So she goes to see the murderer, right? The person who everybody thinks is the murderer. And right away she calls it and is like, you didn't kill these people. What are you talking about? Like (laughs) her husband and her son, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, you didn't kill these people. And then she's just like, I definitely did. (laughs) Like keep lying. (laughs) She's like, no, I killed them. I super killed them. Check out how the ways I killed them. (laughs) (laughs) It is. It's like way too much. It's like, Methinks thou doth protest too much. <laughs> then that becomes a new story in and of itself because she hasn't talked yet. So she just couldn't. Oh, right. She only talks to her. That's right. Right. So she'll only talk to her. And that's kind of the setup, right? Is like this girl wants to stop being an intern. She gets mad whenever that story breaks because it's like that she's the news instead of being the reporter of the news. Mm. And so that's pretty cool. I don't know. I liked how it treated journalism, definitely. I thought that that was interesting. And it's like, thank God, because so often we have characters that are journalists and we don't get to see anything cool from that. Like, right, we have right. like Superman and Lois Lane at the Daily Planet. And it's just like, what's even happening at the Daily Planet? Nothing, oh basically. <laughs> Sometimes it plays in, but it's it's fairly rare in a story that's been going for like 80 years, you know? So. Yeah, journalism and comics are like so entwined in one another and at least in the representations of who's doing journalism and whatnot in the comics and it it was nice to see someone be like okay yeah let's talk about it let's like really explore what a journalist's experience is like within this sort of world and i just uh 
I loved it. Yeah, it's super good. I mean, the art is great. The colors are great. They have kind of a unique, kind of a deeper color mm-hmm. palette. Like, I think that they use a lot of blues and purples and things like that. And it looks really nice. It's very kind of neo-noir, yeah, you know. It's yeah. definitely has a lot of those elements to it, but it's skewed. Like, every one of the tropes are kind of skewed a little bit to make it more interesting. So I think that they did great on this comic. I see why you would call this your favorite of 2019. I didn't read it in 2019. I just read it like yesterday. <laughs> so, so I can't I can't hold it up and try to tell. But this is like one of the better comics that you could pick up, definitely. What I really like too is like it just lets queerness be a part of life. It doesn't have to be like a big remarked upon thing, but it, it still plays with like people have to come out in the world, even even if you are openly queer for however mm-hmm. long. So the main character is bi and She meets a cute boy and they're flirting and she's like, I have something I have to tell you. I'm bi. And he starts laughing and she's like, what the fuck? And he's like, I'm bi. And I was like, (laughs) oh, look at these cuties. This little bi cuties flirting. Like, it's so sweet. And it's like, what a fun way to represent like a queer relationship, you know, to like let things be weird and (laughs) let people have awkward relationship conversations and Again, it feels so real. It feels so like tenderly and intentionally wrought. Tons of people of color in it. Lots of strong, badass women. Tons of awesome queer characters. It just, for me, it had all the elements that I love in a, in a great comic. And it brought them together so uniquely. And like, I, like you said, that color palette, because it's got that neo-noir feel, that rich darkness, right? Like they're dark colors, but they're rich. And so they just... I feel like they convey a mood of like heaviness, but intrigue. And it is such a murder mystery. You just like want to flip through it and read it so quickly because you're like, what, 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 what? Are you serious? <laughs> this again? What? Who? What? No, she didn't. She did. Ah, ah. And I love it. Yeah, it was really compelling. I loved the lady in jail. <laughs> she was cool. <laughs> She's so funny. <laughs> she was hilarious. She just kind of... um yeah, knows knows how to tell a story, knows how to keep people entertained. She was like drawing her in at like every turn. And I always appreciate a character that can do that. Great neo-noir uh, kind of murder mystery stuff. I mean, this is all stuff where I'm, if somebody said those words, I'd be like, oh yeah, I'm totally going to read that. It's queer neo-noir murder mystery. I've never heard of the like, you know, I would go pick that up immediately. Yeah, what's not to like? <laughs> like, <laughs> what's oh, stopping you? Great. Oh, Really cool, powerful characters who make interesting decisions. Great. I love it. Neo-noir. Oh, I'm in. You know, just, yeah, every single thing we can say about this comic is, like, not good enough to describe it. And at the same time, should be a great reason to pick it up. Bury the lead. Gabby Dunn. Super duper incredible fun. And I'm coming back again to what you said, Sarah, about the colors. I think they really are such an important part of how the story is told. I always love when the colors are part of what makes something click, you know? Mm-hmm. And it, it just, yeah. this book just delivers on it. podcast that is all about making comic books more accessible to LGBTQ folks and women. So if you have a question about anything related to comics, comic adaptations, pop culture in general, conventions, cosplay, you name it, that's what we're here for. You can send us your questions at bitchesoncomics at gmail.com. 
Unfortunately, Gmail does not like the word bitch. They're pretty judgy about it. So <laughs> we can't have it spelled out. It is B dot T C H E S O N C O M I C S at gmail.com. And yeah, remember, there's no I'm bitch. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so by rating and reviewing us on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Sarah Century, and you can find me at www.sarahcentury.com and Twitter and Instagram. Still Sarah Century on those. I'm S.E. Fleenor. You can learn more about me at sefleenor.com. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at at S.E. underscore Fleenor. Bitches on Comics is recorded by Kate Warner, who plays in the band Churchfire. You can find them at churchfiremusic.com. Our music is recorded by Katie Taylor, who plays as Earth Control Pill. You can find her music at earthcontrolpill.bandcamp.com. Bitches on Comics is recorded in Denver, Colorado. We want to recognize the indigenous peoples who have inhabited and do inhabit this land. The Arapaho Nation, the Ute Nation, the Cheyenne Nation, and others who have been erased from our history and collective memories through colonization. Have you ever watched a futuristic sci-fi movie and wondered, but wait, could any of this really happen? And will I live long enough to see it? That's what our show Hypothetical is about. I'm Carrie Bechet, and on this podcast, we ask what-if questions about the future. Like, what if we could read minds? What if the world's digital data was erased all at once? What would happen if the Yellowstone supervolcano erupted? Then we explore that question two ways, through speculative science fiction and through dialogue with brilliant scientists. The result is a genre-bending narrative that's interwoven with real facts provided by literal geniuses. And, spoiler alert, a lot of the science fiction out there, it's not nearly as far-fetched as you might think. Come time travel with me into the future on Hypothetical. New episodes on Tuesdays available on all your favorite podcast apps. Just search Hypothetical. That's H-Y-P-E-R-T-H-E-T-I-C-A-L.